Thank you so much for that introduction. Uh, I didn't know what this would be like today, but I wish I could see a few more faces, but uh, I'm delighted to be here with you. Uh, Pastor Millicent invited me to come and uh, she's been telling me a little bit about your church and uh, it's probably the most unusual church I've ever heard of. So I'm just delighted to be here, especially because this is your anniversary, your five year anniversary of refuge from the storm church. So it is a very special time. And you know, anniversaries are good. I think anniversaries sort of make us, give us a chance to push the pause button and really reflect on what has come before and where we are now and maybe look to the future as well. Anniversaries are, are like that. They give us a chance to really reflect and think. And you know, the month of March is also marks another anniversary of sorts. It is a one year anniversary of COVID lockdown. The pandemic lockdown has been a whole year now with March. And so likewise, for me, it makes me, it has made me, caused me, inspired me to stop and think and reflect back on everything that has gone on this whole year. And I've done a whole lot of that. I wonder if you have too. And sometimes when I reflect, I write. In COVID lockdown, whether I meant to or not, I found myself reflecting a lot, evaluating my life, the highs and the lows. What did I learn and how did I grow? What was worthwhile and what was a waste? What did I avoid and what did I face? It's a time to ponder, to think and ask. What have I learned that counts, that lasts? How about you? Have you pondered during this year uh, when everything was strange and different? I hope you did. I really did. I reflected on my life. Uh, you know, think about it. This has been the strangest year any of us have ever had. You know, the world came to a screeching halt. My calendar was just wiped clean. I had no appointments, nowhere to go. It was the strangest time. Our workplace became our home place. We heard and learned new words, new buzzwords like, you know, PPE, personal protective equipment. We learned what that was. Uh, we learned about social distancing. We started wearing masks. We learned about the virtual world even more and Zoom and remote learning and remote working. It was the strangest time when life just completely stopped. Uh, I'll never forget those first weeks of the lockdown when I would be in the car and I looked around me and there was no traffic anywhere. Do y'all remember that? There was no traffic. It was the strangest time of my life. Now I have to tell you, early on, I felt, you know, I, I felt relief. I felt like for the first time in my life, I was blessedly off the hook. You know, I didn't have to be anywhere. I didn't have to do anything. Nobody was depending upon me for anything. I felt off the hook. And then I felt guilty about it, you know, <laughs> like I shouldn't feel that way because this is terrible. What's happening in our world, in our country, in our 
in our towns all over the entire world. You know, there was anxiety. We were scared. We didn't know what was going to happen. It was crazy making. It was a strange, strange time. And then add to that all the political unrest and the racial unrest. It was so, there was so much fear and anxiety and pain and chaos. I think it's safe to say COVID shook our world, didn't it? It really did. And it caused me to really reflect more than ever before. And I think that's good. You know, Winston Churchill uh, said something. He said this, never waste a good crisis. Never waste a good crisis. And this has definitely been a crisis uh, that we've never known before. A lot of people in the media and on the news have referred to the COVID pandemic as war. It is a war. It's actually a world war and we're all fighting a common enemy, this coronavirus. We have huge casualties as in any war, over a half a million people. And my, one of my thoughts I wanna send home to all of us today is church, let's not waste this crisis. Let's squeeze it for all it's good. You know, this spring and this summer, we're all saying, when will it end? Is it starting to end? You know, we don't know. It's too soon to tell. We may get another wave, another surge. But you know what? It's not too early to consider what we want life after lockdown to look like. I, I've actually titled this, this message tonight, Envisioning Life After Lockdown. I think it's good to stop and consider what do you want life to be like after lockdown? Only you can answer that question and it takes a lot of reflection. It's time to take stock, count the wins and regrets, the lessons we learned and don't wanna forget. Will we build a life we adore or just go back to what was before? That's up to you to decide but let's not waste this crisis. Let's see what it has to show and tell us. And let's envision life together, maybe a better, richer life of, with more of what matters most to us and to God. It's gonna take a lot of reflection, both private and corporate. So I'm inviting us all today to think and reflect in a corporate way as a church. Let's envision life after lockdown, and let's do so in light of God's word. You know, God's word is a, a lamp to our feet and a, a light to the path ahead of us. And when I look back, I've been reading through the Bible, uh, hopefully to get through the whole Bible in one year. And I've been reading it starting in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the people of Israel faced one crisis after another. One bloody battle after another, didn't they? They had wars and plagues and catastrophes at every turn. And you know what? God said something a whole lot like Winston Churchill. He said, plunder the ruins of the battles you fought. Plunder the ruins of the battles you fought. He said, dig through the rubble, dig through the ruins of those battles, and see what valuables you can find. There's gold and silver and jewels and iron and bronze. Dig through those rub that rubble 
and gather up those valuables, put them in your storehouses, and then offer them to me, he said, for the building of my temple and for the repairing and maintenance of my temple. He said, don't waste those battles. Dig through them and dig it out. And this ancient message has application for us, the 21st century church too, I think. It has a spiritual application. I believe what God wants us to do is look back into our past battles or our present battles. Look at those ruins, think about those ruins and dig through them to see what spiritual valuables we find, what spiritual treasures we, we find through the trials and the tragedies and the storms and the struggles that we've had. There are valuables there and he wants us to bring them into our storehouses and offer them to God for the building of his kingdom and his temple today. Spiritual plunder. Isaiah says in Isaiah 45.3, he calls this spiritual plunder treasures of darkness. I love this verse. Isaiah says, I will give you treasures of darkness and hidden wealth in secret places so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. I will give you treasures of darkness, hidden wealth in secret places. What do those treasures of darkness look like? What is that hidden wealth? What does that look like? That's the spiritual plunder. Now you might say, what do you mean, Linda, spiritual plunder? I mean the life lessons for you, the life lessons, the truths that you can pull from those battles and those heartaches. Maybe those that brought you here to this church. He wants us to dig down in those places where we have been wounded by others, where we have been wounded by our own sin, and where we've been wounded just by virtue of living in a fallen world with fallen people, where there are viruses and accidents and disease and violence everywhere you turn. We live in a fallen world. All of those offer valuables for us if we will reflect and plunder those ruins. You know, COVID's just one of the many battles we've all fought together. We've had them all throughout our lives, some of us starting way back in our childhood. God doesn't want us to waste any of them. So we must look back and plunder the ruins and dig. God is shouting, hey, pay attention. Come sit with me, reflect and listen. Don't let your battles go to waste. What's important needs a lot more space. Plunder the ruins of battles past. Take what's good, make something that lasts. Build a better life and a brand new you. You've been set apart, the chosen few. Today, I wanna to share a story from one of my past battles, uh, a battle I uh, plundered, uh, I dug up some treasures, uh, spiritual plunder, lessons for me. Now, this is about a, not a huge crisis, but it was a time of significant struggle for me, and it lasted for several years, and it was chock full of treasures of darkness, and I hope it will be uh, helpful to you as well. I want to set the scene. I was in a 
this was several years ago. I was in a kind of an odd place in my life where I'd never been before. I was very restless and confused and dissatisfied with life. And I didn't even know why. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you why. I, I, I knew something was missing, but I didn't know what. Uh, you know, nurses and doctors have a term that they use to describe infants and young children who fail to develop normally. There's nothing physically wrong with them. They just fail to grow and develop as they should. That term that they use to describe them is called failure to thrive. That's the diagnosis, failure to thrive. I feel like that described me at that time in my life. There was nothing really wrong with me. Life was really pretty good. You know, I had four kids and two stepkids that I loved, you know, most of the time. <laughs> I had a husband that I loved most of the time. Life was good. And what's more, I was a believer. I mean, I knew Jesus. I had a real relationship with him. It was real. It wasn't, I wasn't just giving lip service to it but I was failing to thrive and I didn't even know why. Now, during that time, I had a conversation with one of my favorite people in all the world, my aunt, my Aunt Lou. And I'd heard that Aunt Lou was depressed. And so I began calling her. I was becoming a life coach at the time and I wanted somebody to practice on. So I asked my Aunt Lou if I could visit with her once a week and we could talk about what's going on with her. And so I called her once a week and I said, Aunt Lou, what's going on with you? What's wrong with you? And she would say, I don't know. I don't know. I just can't tell you. I'm just depressed. And then finally, one day on the third or fourth call, I remember asking her once again, Aunt Lou, what is wrong with you? And she choked it out and she said, I'll soon be 75. And I'm afraid I wasted it, Linda. I'm afraid I've wasted the one life I had to live. Well, with that, she choked up. Couldn't go on. Well, I choked up too. This was nothing like the Aunt Lou that I knew. And yet her words rang hard, loud and hard to me. It kind of hit me like a, a ton of bricks. Because that's kind of where I was. I wasn't depressed exactly, but I was, I was feeling like, am I wasting my life? What is this all about? And I was very stressed and struggling. Well, eventually that conversation and that place of failure to thrive, eventually it took over three years. It was like four years that I finally got, uh, I finally got somewhere. It led me to big questions about life and really on a big quest for answers. And yes, uh, I started asking, I started digging. I started really thinking, looking back over these last several years and looking inside me at my heart and my emotions and my dissatisfaction and trying to figure it out. And I asked questions like, why am I here? What's the point of life? What does God want me to do with my life? Am I doing what he wants me to do? Big questions. Frustration like crazy. During that time, there was a verse that jumped off the page at me. 
And uh, every time I ran across it in my Bible, uh, it, it annoyed me. It annoyed me. And it's John 10, 10, the last half of John 10, 10. And it, Jesus is talking and he says very simply, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly to the full. Now you say, Linda, why would you, why would that verse irritate you? And I said, I'll tell you, it's because I didn't have it. Even though life was good, I did not have, I did not feel I had abundant life. And I looked around me and I wondered who, who does exactly? At this time in my life, I was doing all I knew to do, being all I knew to be as a believer, a follower of Christ. And I didn't have what Jesus was talking about. And I honestly, this turned into sort of a, a crisis of my faith. I actually began to question the word of God. I remember thinking, what's the deal, Jesus? Are you just kidding? Is this not true? What's going on? You see where I was? Not a good place. After three years or so, I kind of diagnosed my real problem. I lacked purpose. I didn't know why I was here. You know, life is about God was a bit too broad to direct my life. I was directionless, no joy. I didn't have abundant life. I didn't know what to say yes to and what to say no to, what to put on my calendar. I was afraid I was wasting my life. It was making me miserable, not abundant life. Now that's sort of a, a selfie, a snapshot of me and Aunt Lou at that time in my life. That's a selfie. Do you see that I was plundering the ruins? I was digging. I was trying to figure out what's going on with you, Linda. I was digging deep. And as I looked back, I realized I looked inside at myself, as I said, but I also looked outward at the world around me. You know, a photographer can take that close-up picture, but he can also zoom out and take the wide, the panoramic view of the whole landscape. So as I kind of zoomed back and looked around me, I saw three connected problems that were related and were related to my problem failure to thrive. I looked around me and I saw three problems. One was purposeless people just like me. They were everywhere. It seems like everywhere I turned, I heard echoes in their life of what was going on in my life. I heard one girl say things like, I feel like I'm just taking up space. That's it. One girl, another woman said, I feel kind of invisible sort of like a vapor. Another one of my friends said, I feel kind of floaty, floaty. She said, it doesn't feel very good. You hear the echoes of uh, dissatisfaction and restlessness. Purposeless people were all around me. I could see them now. The second thing I noticed was a needy world. Every you can't open the newspaper or turn on the news and not see tragedy and pain and heartache and hurt and violence. So much trouble in our world. So I saw purposeless people and a needy world full of needy people. And we're among them, aren't we? 
we are among them. The third thing I saw as a believer looking in the scriptures, the third thing I saw from God's word is what I call an unfulfilled mandate. Now, a mandate is an official order. It's a, an official charge from the Lord or someone in authority. And that mandate, as I saw in the word, could be summed up by looking at the two greats, the great command and the great commission. And they can be summed up in two words, the great command, love. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. There's a great command we're all called to fulfill, and that is love. The second one is the great commission. We're all called to go, therefore, into the world and tell other people about me. Teach them, and I will go with you, says Jesus. Matthew 22, 36 is the great command, and Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is the Great Commission. We're all familiar with that. Purposeless people, a needy world, and an unfulfilled mandate. And I began to wonder, what if we could put all those purposeless people with all those needy people and get some help going on here? What if we could get some help going on here? maybe then we would begin to fulfill that mandate from God to love others enough to go have an impact, have an impact. See how I was digging into this past battle, this struggle I was going through, digging for spiritual plunder. And folks, let me tell you something. I struck gold. I struck gold in being able to see some of these things. I found that there was purpose to my pain and there was purpose in my pain. It wasn't for nothing. God had a plan that involved my pain. But that's not all God gave me, he gave me a vision. Let's talk about vision just a minute. It's been described in many different ways. I love the definition that Andy Stanley gave in his book, Visioneering. He, he says vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. Clear mental picture of what could be fueled by a conviction that it should be. It's a preferred future vision. It's also a solution to a problem. And so God gave me a vision. It's, it's very simple, and it's sort of like, now I look at it, I think, well, duh. But at the time, guys, it was huge to me. It was huge, and here's that vision. Very simply, God created us to be difference makers for his glory and by his design, by his design of us as individuals and by his design of the whole world in which he placed us. That's it that God created us to be difference makers for his glory by his design. That was the overarching theme of my failure to thrive years, but it's also the overarching thing of all the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, this theme is there. We were created to have an impact on our world. In Genesis, 
rule, subdue, multiply, be fruitful, engage in your garden, God said. All the way from Genesis, God called Adam. He, he called him. He chose him. He blessed him. Why? To be a blessing, right? Same thing for us. We're all called to be difference makers right where we live, work, and play every single day. Two verses stand out during those years when I was figuring this out and doing all this digging. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. What are those good works that God planned for you? You see, here's what I believe. God, when he created you, he placed in your DNA and your personality and in your wiring. He gave you gifts and talents and personality. And then he orchestrated your life so that you would have life experiences that would equip you to do those good works. The second one is John 17, 4. This is Jesus taking stock of his life right before he is to be crucified. And he is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prays, this is one of the things he says in that long priestly prayer. He prays, Father, I glorified you on the earth having accomplished the work you gave me to do. I glorified you having accomplished the work you gave me to do. Not the work that you gave anybody else to do, but the work you gave me to do. We're all here to bring glory to God. That is a shared purpose that all Christians are called to. We exist to bring him glory. How we do that? Changes for all of us. It's different for all of us. Do you see me plundering those ruins? That's what I did in looking back on that battle that I faced. This vision that we're created to be different, make difference makers for his glory, by his design, that vision is also a solution to those three connected problems. When we live our lives this way, becoming difference makers, what happens? Purposeless people become purpose-driven. The needs of the needy world are addressed, right? And you know what else happens? God gets glory. He gets glorified. He gets blessed. That vision is a solution for all three of those connected problems. That's still a broad and big vision, I understand, but God made it even more clear when I went to a, a wonderful women's conference several years ago, after I kind of came out of this failure to thrive and started writing my book, Embracing Purpose, my study for women. I was at this conference and there were 17,000 women there. Beth Moore was the speaker to that conference packed house, and it was glorious. And at one point, I just stopped and I listened to all this beautiful worship, all these women singing a song, raising their voices. And I thought to myself, wow, there sure are a lot of Christ followers in my corner of the world. This is wonderful. And then I thought, if there are that many Christ followers in my corner of the world, why in my world 
a little better off. When I look around me, I see poverty, violence, drug abuse, domestic abuse, child abuse, divorce, you know, horrible addictions. Our prisons are packed. What's wrong with this picture? Aren't we making a difference? And then I had this thought of, uh, I really believe this was a specific vision from God. Same vision I had had before, but more detailed and more feet on the ground. What if every one of us women in this giant arena, what if we got up tomorrow and we did exactly what God called us to do? Nothing more, nothing less. How might our world change for the better? How might we change for the better? What if we knew what to do and we did it? How would my corner of the world be different? So what God did was give me a big vision and then a more specific vision. What if each of us got up tomorrow and did that? And then he brought it down even further and showed me my purpose, my calling, my mission in life. So I got real specific and I knew what God had called me to do. You know, John Piper says, this kind of life of being a difference maker, a purpose-driven man or woman, meeting the needs that are in your corner of the world, John Piper calls it the best life. You know why? He says, because they get help, we get joy, and God gets glory. And that's what I call a win-win-win situation. The best life. So all my digging took me to these visions, getting more and more specific until I understood that I was to write a book in two books and a prison edition and a young woman's edition of that same book. Uh, and it has helped me tremendously. And I can honestly say to you now, oh boy, do I understand what abundant life is like. I, I am living it. Oh, I'm still in the fallen world. I still get sick. I still get headaches. I still am a little worried about COVID. You know, we live in a fallen world with fallen people. But I know what Jesus was talking about. And let me tell you something, he was not kidding. He knew exactly what he was talking about. All of that came out of me looking back at that battle and seeing what truths, what valuables, what gold was there. And I found it. Yes, I began digging way down deep, searching for jewels so precious to keep. Backward, inside and out I looked, always guided by God's holy book. And God let me see what matters most to him and me. A vision came out of battles past. He brought forth purpose and fruit that lasts. So putting it all together, and I think I've gone on too long and I apologize, I'm sorry. But pulling it all together, what does this have to do with you? What are you gonna do with it? Have you plundered the ruins of your past battles? Have you done it? Or do you just not wanna go there? I wanna tell you, 
I want to tell you, God doesn't want you to waste any of your tears, any of your battles, any of your trials and storms. Refuge from the storm. You're living, we're living in storms all the time. God doesn't want one of them to be wasted. How might what you went through and what you're going through right now, think about what you're going through right now. It helps to just look first at your emotions. What makes you anxious, what keeps you up at night. Think about what you're going through right now. How might what you're going through right now be part of the plan? Be part of the purpose God has for you. I think if you'll think about that, you will realize there's purpose in your pain and in your battles, past, present, and future. You can grow through what you go through. You can grow through what you've gone through. And I, that's exactly what I wanna do. What battles come to mind for you? Make a note of them. Reflect on them. Take some time to mine them for the gold. There's gold there. Take stock of your life, the highs and the lows. What have you gone through and how did you grow? Don't let your battles go to waste. Give what's important a lot more space. I'll tell you something, church. Life awaits. Jesus wasn't just kidding. You know what I think life stands for? L-I-F-E. You know what it stands for? Living intentionally for eternity. L-I-F-E. Living intentionally for eternity. I want to call you and challenge you encourage you, go after that life, dig deep and find the gold that God wants you to find. Let me close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time with this church, um, refuge from the storm. Father, I thank you that you are our refuge from the storm. Without you, we would all be so lost. Lord, I pray that you would help these, these individuals uh, hit pause and truly reflect on what you have to teach them through their past trials and struggles. Help them, Lord, to take action and move forward with what you showed them, Lord. And I know you can do it. I love you. We love you. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. But Jesus, we don't love you. Help us to love you evermore, every single day. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.